election of a borough councillor for Offerton on It's election night in Greater Manchester, and I'm at Stockport Town Hall, and I'm watching the election results come in. Different wards are being announced on the stage. There's plenty to report on. But I keep finding myself looking at my phone, looking at my text messages from the Mills Alexandria Slater, who is in Oldham. And the reason I'm interested in Oldham is because I just have this sort of feeling in my bones that something interesting might happen there. That the forces in politics there, the unusual, unique, conspiratorial forces that have been roiling Oldham's politics for the past few years, that the mill has reported on many times, might be about to produce another bit of drama. And then, around midnight, I look down at my phone, I see a message from Alex, and it turns out that they have. This is the Manchester Weekly from the mill. Hello, I'm Daryl Morris with Yoshi Herman, the editor of The Mill, Manchester's quality newspaper, delivered by email. Hi, Yoshi. Hey. This week, uh, there is one story that's dominating our thinking, and we are returning to election night in Oldham. I think, Yoshi, to understand what was happening on election night 2022 in Oldham, we have to go back to, we have to go back a year or so, don't we? to election night 2021 and the forces that were in play building up to that. Something that you've been working on a lot. You've written lots and lots of words about and trying to wrap your head around the weird politics in Oldham. How did we get here? Good question. Good question. (laughs) Good luck. It began when I started the mill and a few people pointed me towards a set of blog posts by a man called Rajamir. In those blog posts, he was alleging that Labour in Oldham had been entirely captured by the Asian community, right? That there were lots of unprosecuted grooming gangs, street grooming gangs, who were sexually abusing white girls in Oldham, and that the Labour administration in Oldham was covering it up intentionally so that they could keep the votes of Asian voters. So, like, you're talking about a vast sort of conspiracy here. You're basically talking about a classic conspiracy theory. Secret cabals of people are working against the interests of the the good townsfolk of Oldham. And I got a couple of DMs about them saying, hey, you should have a look at this. Rajamir is a former government advisor. He's someone who's won um, an MBE. He did a lot of good work after the riots. He's a respectable guy. He wouldn't just be saying this. So I start reading these posts. And then what I realize is, He doesn't just have these blogs. You know, this is in 2020 when I'm looking at it. He also has videos, or as he calls them, transmissions. They sell heroin. Let's be clear. The Labour Party reliant on the cartels. These cartels are criminals. They traffic people. They sell drugs. They launder money. They walk around with guns and grenades. They kill people. They stab people. They rape people. They kidnap people. And that's what they are, and that's who they are. It's not a joke. So every Sunday night, he goes live on Facebook with a video, and a bit like a kind of Fox News host speaking directly to their audience, he talks and talks and talks for sometimes an hour, hour and a half, two hours, to this audience of local people in Oldham, who mostly seem to believe these things ideas, these allegations that he's making about the council. Fundamentally, the council is corrupt. 
fundamentally the council is so in hoc to Asian voters that it can't uh, bring itself to to go after the grooming gangs. Quite exactly how that works is a little unclear, given that the police is also the police are primarily the ones who should be going after grooming gangs. But the police are also corrupt. Andy Burnham is corrupt. The media is corrupt. It's classic populist rhetoric. Everyone in the elites and in the institutions is corrupt, and the only person who will tell you the truth is me. And I looked up for some reporting on Rajamir, and what I found about him was mainly about his background. It wasn't really about the allegations he was making now. It was about the fact that after the riots, he had built a very respectable reputation for himself as the co-founder of a charity that tried to bridge divides after the Oldham riots in 2001. He had, I don't know if he had been a government advisor so much, I don't think I've been able to find any evidence of that, but certainly he was quoted in a Home Office report about community relations. He ran two free schools, one in Oldham, one in Manchester, the whole idea of which was to bridge communities and to bring communities together. But what I couldn't find was a lot of reporting about his current allegations and the kind of stuff he was saying online. And in a way, that's not surprising because Oldham is effectively what you call a news desert, right? There are, on paper, two newspapers in Oldham. One of them is based in Bolton, right? It's run by the company that runs the Bolton News, and it has a very, very small staff. The other one, the Oldham Chronicle, which actually shut down as a newspaper a long time ago, now doesn't even have a full-time reporter. So they they have a lot of press releases, they have various bits of content on their website, but they don't have a full-time reporter. So you're talking about a town where there is no news, kind of, in a way. Mm. Certainly there's not any in-depth reporting going on. And this guy, Raj Amir, was filling the gap. The question to me was, how's he gone from this old guys that he had of bridging community relations to this new one where he was making these sweeping allegations against the council? You need to understand how powerful these cartels are. They'll destroy their families, they'll destroy their lives. They, even if you died, they would limit who, who came to your funeral. That's how powerful these people are. So somebody's come to you with this information and with this insight into this strange fault line in Oldham. What do you do next? Well, initially I didn't do anything with it, to be honest. For months and months, I kind of read his blogs occasionally. I'd watch the odd video. To me, the things he was saying seemed like absolutely classic far-right conspiracy theories. Like a far-right conspiracy theory will normally involve elements of the majority race or the majority population are being sidelined by the rise of a minority and the corrupt elites are sort of overseeing it for their own ends or, or at least they're turning a blind eye. And that's kind of what it looked like to me. So I didn't take it that seriously. And it was only when a mill reader got in touch and said that she had come across some of these allegations, you know, should we look into them, that I thought, well, actually, maybe we should. What really got me writing about it for the first time, and I wish it hadn't taken so long, was that just over a year ago, the young leader of Oldham Council, a guy called Sean Fielding, who was considered a sort of rising star of Labour in the North, He was um, in the shop behind Andy Burnham during the row with the government over the COVID regulations. He was kind of considered someone who in future would be the mayor of Greater Manchester or certainly like a leading figure in this neck of the woods. He lost his seat. So he was a leader of Oldham Council and he lost his seat. That's pretty unusual. Council leaders tend not to lose their seats. Listen, Sean Fielding, I'm an Asian bloke. My entire life, white, privileged white people have been telling me I'm wasting my time get stuffed. You and your cartel mates 
clearly, clearly now are influencing the police. And that made me think, huh, something's going on here. Because when I looked at the reactions to Fielding losing, I saw some tweets about the grooming gangs. I saw tweets about the corrupt council, corruption in Oldham. And that's when I came back to it and thought, we should have a look at this. And mill readers perhaps will have read the piece that I wrote last year about that. So that's probably what really got me into it. Mm. And, and I guess that's a line between these sort of conspiratorial theories that, I don't know, you know, the casual observer, you would imagine that somebody like Rajamir is sort of shouting into a void to actually tangible line between that, people coming to believe it and then act on it at the ballot box. Yeah, there was that moment of recognition of, oh, these things that are being said in Oldham, this very strange political atmosphere that seems to be building in Oldham, it's actually having real-world consequences. And from my observation, there were hundreds of people some weeks who were watching his his live streams, because you can see how many viewers are watching. There were also times there were not many people watching, but then there were times that would be loads and loads of comments and shares. And what I began to notice is, Oldham had a network of very large, very engaged Facebook groups, one in Chatterton, one in Royton, right? There'd be one in Failsworth. Actually, there were a few in Failsworth. There were some old and wide ones. And they tended to be run by people who seemed to be sympathetic with Rajamir. So actually, even though the number of people who would sit down on a Sunday night and watch his videos was in the hundreds, the number of people being exposed to his messages about the corrupt council was much, much bigger than that. And what seemed to have happened with Sean Fielding is that he had responded badly to, to the provocations of Rajamir. He had started sort of writing to people who were linked to, to candidates, independent candidates who were running against him, who had Rajamir's support. He began to look a little bit like he was sort of abusing his authority. So Sean Fielding got very caught up in the web that Rajamir was spinning. Not only do we want you arrested, we want you put in prison. And that's not just me. As thousands of us in this town, we want an example made out of a corrupt, paedophile-protecting politician. So Sean Fielding lost his seat. And if people want to read an in-depth take on that, they can read 5,000 words on the mill from last year. But the question then was, is that going to be the end of this? You know, is it that this Rajamir guy wanted to take out Sean Fielding and then it'll then be over? Or will this drag on? And I think... The interesting thing is that it's really, really dragged on. So, hang on a minute. Rajamir's motivations for this and for his, his sort of hate for the council, where does that come from? That's a really good question. Obviously, you never know quite what people's motivations are, but there is a big turning point moment in 2019 where his schools, which were initially announced like an opinion piece in the Times as like a really sort of innovative thing. They've had loads of issues, computer issues, teachers saying there's they're complete chaos and, and, and disorganization at these schools, parents complaining about safety failures. There is then a big government report that says these schools were terribly managed, not just by Rajamir, by the way, but by others as well. And also, that report notes that an enormous amount of money was paid to Rajamir or companies controlled by Rajamir by these schools. These schools fail and you've got this big report and that's the moment that he seems to turn on the council. And I think it's because Jim McMahon, the then leader of the council, now a, a leading shadow minister in, in, in Keir Starmer's um, group. And that scumbag, sorry, I'm pointing at McMahon, that scumbag has pinned to the top of his Twitter account something falsely claiming I've done something. You're a scumbag, Matman. Utter vermin. You sold out this town and you sold out our people. 
And I'm not race baiting because I'm black. Plenty of Asian people feel the way I do. They just can't say it because they're terrified of the cartels. And I think that's the moment we get a different Rajamay. Literally, if you look at his Twitter, he goes from tweeting about Jeremy Corbyn and the climate and uh, Bernie Sanders, and suddenly he's tweeting about grooming gangs and almost exclusively about grooming gangs. So it seems to be that this campaign he's on is motivated by that. Now, that's not to say that everything Rajamir says is not true. Like, he's actually kind of plays the role of a journalist sometimes in his transmissions. He'll highlight the fact that, oh, there's a councillor who didn't submit the right forms and, and it looks a bit dodgy that she didn't say she runs this shop. Or there is a taxi driver who turned out to be a paedophile and the council should have taken the licence away and they didn't. Or the council didn't um, take payment from a Muslim group for a while for a community area and they should have. So he does kind of highlight real things and that's i think what gives him a lot of his power is that he combines these absolutely extraordinary baroque conspiracy theories about grooming gangs that he knows about but the police have never managed to get their hands on and that the council's covering up for them intentionally he combines that with these kind of very like brass tacks local news reporting he does freedom of information requests you know he goes through local news reports so that gives him a lot of credibility i think so it's not to say everything he's saying is not true but he is very skillfully building up this following and it seems like he has got a very personal vendetta against the council and and in particular people who are close to jim mcmahon like sean fielding the former leader and then the leader who takes over from sean fielding arush shah and that he has realised that the best way to prosecute that war against the council is to build up an audience of white Oldemers who will be sympathetic to the idea that there are these Asian grooming gangs going roaming around and the council's doing nothing about them. And, you know, these are tropes we had at the time from people on the far right. You know, it's a fairly typical, you know, white girls are being sexually abused behind closed doors by Asian men. Like, that's a, a, a real crime that we've had in, in many towns, but it's also a trope that far-right activists have used to suggest it's happening everywhere, to suggest that, you know, political correctness has gone too far, etc., etc., etc. So that's the theme he picks up, and that's the theme that really grows a following for him. And they are referred to as the rabble, right? Raja's rabble. Raja's rabble. So who are they? It's kind of hard to say exactly who they are because you just see their avatars on Facebook. I have had in-depth conversation with a couple of people who describe themselves as part of the rabble. You see a lot of comments and Facebook posts from others. I would say a generally fair description would be almost all of them are white. Most of them seem to be over the age of 40, perhaps over the age of 50. I would say there is a decent proportion of people in there who would probably would have voted for UKIP during the UKIP surge. And obviously you're talking about people who are sympathetic to the ideas about, you know, unevidenced at this point, unevidenced grooming gangs and, 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 and cover-ups and that kind of thing. So I think it's fair to say, and I said in a piece over the weekend that I think it's fair to say there are probably um, lots of people here who harbour racial resentments, you know, who harbour feelings about the way in which Oldham has become a, a very multicultural place that, um, that are not within the political mainstream, let's say. And this rabble has been mobilised recently for all sort of electoral ends. I'm looking for the rabble. Where is the rabble? 
And there was a really interesting moment, wasn't there, where Sean Fielding describes thinking that this thing that was sort of plaguing him online was just that. It was online. It was something that wouldn't translate into the real world and certainly wouldn't translate to the ballot box. And I think he quoted somebody coming up to him on the street and quoting back some of Rajamir's theories at him and, and being angry with him and him finding that moment quite extraordinary where he'd recognised that this had become something else. He lost his seat and Rajamir claimed that as a scalp. But as you say, Yoshi, it didn't stop there. And election night 2022, as you were keeping your eye on Oldham, you were keeping your eye specifically on another council leader's seat. Take us into the build-up to that then. How did Rajamir turn his focus onto his next planned scalp? Well, in about October last year, I got a call from someone who is involved in politics in Oldham who said, you need to check out Rajamir's latest video. Now, I check them out, you know, time and again, but I don't watch them every week. So this person said, tune in. This is significant. So I watched this video. And in it, Rajamir makes a key political decision. He decides to split from a local political grouping called Proud of Oldham and Saddleworth. This is a grouping of independents, effectively. It's a hyper-local party. I think the general idea is that it's people who have either come from the sort of, from the right, from the UKIP fold, or they're people who are very disaffected with Labour, some some over Greenbelt, some over the town centre not being in in good shape, the, the general economic decline of Oldham. But generally speaking, Rajamir had been very close to these people and other hyper-locals like the, the Failsworth Independent Party. But on this particular call, he said, no, those guys don't have it right. If we really want to get rid of Labour in Oldham, we have to back some Tories. And he talks very generously and very positively about the Conservatives. You've got to support the Conservatives were, they look likely to win. The Liberal Democrats were, they look likely to win. The Independents were, they look likely to win, and so on. And suddenly you're like, oh God, he's being really pragmatic here. He knows that there are certain wards that could fall to the Conservatives that couldn't fall to anyone else. So he breaks with these guys. He says, I'm not going to work with these hyper-locals if they don't get it. I'm going to back the Conservatives. And therefore, from that time onwards, for the past six months, just over six months, he has relentlessly encouraged his rabble to campaign and to spread the word about candidates who he thinks are most likely to beat Labour candidates, right? This is an all-out war on Labour. And in some instances, those candidates are Conservatives. So suddenly you have this rabble-rousing figure who combines sort of factual statements with like absolutely absurd conspiracies, who uses a lot of sort of very racially insensitive jokes, t- talking about calling someone samosa gym and constantly referencing samosas talking about always referencing people as pakistani and always referencing people as muslim constantly reminding people of the ethnicity of the of the asian voters who who labor benefit from in some wards even though he is a british bangladeshi man and he talks about that he is using all these sort of tropes and suddenly you've got this guy who's allying himself with the conservatives and the really surprising thing is that these conservative candidates seem to be kind of allying themselves with him. You know, you start to hear things from Oldham about, well, Rajamir's made these leaflets, these attack leaflets about Arush Shah, the council leader who he's trying to unseat. And they've been, you know, conservative candidates have been distributing them, for example. Now, that's highly unusual, right? You wouldn't normally have a figure like Rajamir, who's way outside of the political mainstream, having leaflets distributed by conservative candidates. You hear that. 
you hear that, you know, there's a certain amount of coordination going on. And Rajamir is suddenly running like a proper political campaign. He's raising thousands of pounds online from his rabble. He's spending it on Facebook ads to attack particular candidates and to attack Arush Shah in particular. And that's the big target. The new council leader, Arush Shah, she was very close to Jim McMahon, the former council leader who he absolutely despised over these schools. And the big objective of his campaign is, can we get rid of Arush Shah in Chatterton South? And so, who is Arush Shah then? Well, Arush Shah is clearly been the council leader for, you know, less than a year. She's been on the council since 2012. Her parents came from Pakistan and moved to Glodik in the centre of Oldham in the late 60s, like lots and lots of Pakistani families. She grew up in Oldham. She actually lives in the same house where she grew up in Glodik. She was in her early 20s when the riots happened in 2001. She has a history that has made her very easy to attack by Raj Amir. She has a relationship with um, a local man called Irish Imi. How many of you knew of her relationship, of her friendship with the mobster, the convicted heroin dealer, Irish Imi? How many of you knew before I released the photographs of her looking very cosy? He is someone who's had, you know, very serious criminal convictions. He's the getaway driver for Dale Cregan, not during the murder of the two police officers, but another murder that was committed that year. So very serious things. She has not distanced herself from from that character and from, you know, one or two other unsavory characters in her life. So she made herself pretty easy to attack. And Rajamir really, really sort of rammed that home. But to be honest, I don't know a huge amount about Arush Shah because I've never met her. Like, I've spoken to her on the phone. The interesting thing about her when she first took over was she didn't quite consciously say to this to me, but it was so obvious from, from her, the way she was pitching her leadership. She didn't want to talk about the race stuff. She didn't want to talk about Rajamir. She didn't want to talk about the online disinformation, these local Facebook groups, these conspiracy theories. So she picked up the most mundane topic possible, which was littering and fly tipping, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely classic local Bread and issue. Yeah. Which yeah. is a massive issue in Oldham. Loads of people talk about it. So mm-hmm. it's a totally fair thing for her to pick. And actually, I spoke to lots of people who said, oh, I really like what she's doing on that. Mm-hmm. But clearly, she wanted to put this whole ugliness behind her. And I did wonder at the time, will that work? And I think the other person who really wondered whether it would work at the time was Sean Fielding, right? He had just lost this big race. He had initially tried to ignore the online weirdness. Then he had tried to confront it in a sort of a cack-handed way. It hadn't really worked. And apparently there was a call between national Labour figures and Oldham figures in which the General Secretary of the Labour Party was there, Arush Shah was there, Sean Fielding was there. There was a regional official from the Northwest Labour um, Party. And... There was some praise on that call for Arush Shah's strategic decision, you know, not to emphasize anything to do with all the online weirdness and just to talk about something, you know, as 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 everyday and as practical as, as fly tipping. And on that call, apparently, Sean Fielding said, you know, essentially, you have to be fucking joking. The fact that we're talking about fly tipping is not going to overcome the fact that people think we are covering up for child abuse. These politicians have created a climate of fear in this town. They have given free reign to the Islamists and the heroin dealers from the Pakistani community. All we've asked for, all we have ever asked for, safeguard our children from grooming and gang rape. That was a pretty obvious counterpoint to the strategy that Labour chose there. That if you've got very, very serious allegations against you, you're probably not going to wipe them out by getting rid of some litter on people's road, even if... You know, people are appreciative of that. Mm. Okay. 
before we root ourselves back, Yoshi, into election night 2022 to see whether or not Rajamir did achieve scalp number two. One of the things that really fascinates me about this, and we've touched on the sort of cultural fault lines that exist within lots of Greater Manchester towns, but Oldham specifically, and drawing back to the riots of 2001 and, and you know, all of the sort of cultural tensions that have been played on over the years. I think Nick Griffin, in fact, stood in Oldham at one point, didn't he? Yeah, um, he did. He, Nick, he stood very successfully. And, and he and another candidate together got about 12,000 votes mm. in the 2001 election. So, yeah, there's a big presence there. It gives you the sense, right, of, of the sort of cultural differences in, in, in Oldham. And... That's one really interesting part of this. The other part of this that I can't shake off is how much this is the story of our times. This is the story of our politics. It's the story of the tools of mass communication like YouTube and Facebook giving voice to people who are able to kind of become the new media, to establish themselves, to build audiences, to convince those audiences of their worldview and to genuinely disrupt and sort of create political upheaval. That's the story of our times, from the White House to the streets of Fellsworth. The rioting lasted for over seven hours. During the day, tension had risen when some members of the National Front had arrived at this pub in Oldham and were surrounded by police. The talk was of retaliations. At times, hundreds of Asian youths were hurling bricks and petrol bombs at the police. Officers were shocked by the rage. We both know about the riots. We both know that Oldham has these deep racial fault lines. It was a place that fell off a cliff economically in the middle of the last century. And it also had a very, very dramatic change in its um, ethnic makeup. You go from, you know, people in their, in their mid-70s or 80s who grew up in Oldham, they, they lived in a very white Christian world with lots of mills operating. And now, you know, Oldham is a very racially diverse place. So we know the kind of issues that's created between communities. There's also the sort of factor that was going on when Rajamir appeared, which was the grooming scandals had been breaking for a few years. And the whole notion that there had been councils in some parts of the country that had turned a bit of a blind eye, there was massive systemic failure. There were Asian grooming gangs operating that caused misery, you know, in, in Telford, in Rotherham, in Rochdale and were not properly dealt with. And in some cases, I think there is evidence that racial sensitivity sort of came into that. So you've kind of got that as a mood music. And I think that, you know, the big question about Oldham for a lot of people is, well, surely it's going on here as well. You know, I'm not saying I ever thought that, but the, the people I've spoken to who support Raj Amir, that's kind of their thing. It's like, well, Rochdale's just down the road, you know. It's got a very, very similar community makeup, demographic makeup. If all these gangs were operating there, one of the Rochdale grooming gang ringleaders actually worked in Oldham, then surely it must be happening here as well. So you've got that, right? And on that question, so far, there have been some instances of, of horrific child sexual abuse in, in Oldham. I think there'll be probably uh, more of those highlighted when there's an independent report coming out later this year or in a couple of months' time. But so far, there hasn't been the kind of evidence of the widespread stuff that we saw in Rochdale and Rotherham and Telford or the, you know, the awful cover-up, the knowing kind of like, we're not going to look at this, we're not going to believe these girls type of thing. So there were some major, major failures in Oldham, but there wasn't the same thing. So those are kind of two backdrop things. But you're absolutely right like there's something much higher level here which is in the past someone like Raja Mir would have really really struggled to build an audience right it's only because of the digital tools we have now that you can sit there in your 
bedroom on Sunday nights and speak to hundreds of people for a very, very low marginal cost. And you can keep on hammering the same messages. Maybe you could have stood up in a pub 200 years ago and said the odd thing, but you're not going to be able to build up the consistent audience. You're not going to be able to distribute it in loads of Facebook groups, get it in front of that many people. The efficiency of that distribution means that people can now emerge who want to take huge chunks out of the elites, out of the establishment, out of the council, out of the police. And sometimes they're absolutely right to. Like, they're whistleblowers and they are giving illegitimate information out to the populace. And sometimes they're people who I think are doing it for their own ends in some way. And I think that Rajamir is much closer to that. Mm. I think his fundamental thing is about undermining the public trust in local officials, in the police, in the media, because he's got this vendetta. And... You're absolutely right. It's a kind of mini version of what we've seen elsewhere. He is a local populist. He has the same populist worldview of this sort of antagonistic relationship between the elites and this sort of single body of common people, the pure folk, you know, who, who, whose interests all align and who are all the same, which is obviously not how the world works. And he's using a lot of the same tactics of attacking the media and attacking politicians. And I think if you want to see how local trust can be broken down, how society can be changed when not just an individual in public life, a businessman or a politician, has, the, has, has their authority completely trashed, but almost a whole system. What happens when um, a society has such a lack of trust in its, in its public figures that everything comes to look like a bit of a puppet show, that people lose faith in the entire thing, as the, as a, as the writer William Davies put it in The Guardian a few years ago. I think... If you go up to Oldham or you tune in on Sunday nights, you will start to see a preview of the kind of ways that things can break down on a national scale. And that's a, a sobering thought, but also it's a reason to take what's happening in Oldham seriously. It's never been about pride in the cartel wards. It's never been about pride. It's been about serving the town. So it's ticking into the early hours of Thursday morning. You're in Stockport, election night 2022, and your phone buzzes from your reporter in Oldham. What happens next? Election of a borough councillor for Offerton on Thursday, 5th of May 2022. Alex is at this count, and the numbers are coming in. And initially it looks like Arush Shah might have kept on. She might have held her seat in this close battle with this Conservative candidate. And then, after midnight, the news comes through that Arud Shah wants a recount. Arud Shah is asking for a recount. It looks like we've got her. It looks like we've took her out. Arud Shah is currently asking for a recount. The recount happens. The result is confirmed. Arud Shah, Oldham's council leader, has lost her seat. Exactly what happened last year. The candidate who Rajamir most wanted to remove, the leader of Oldham Council, the Labour leader, has gone. And I just remember sort of sitting in this big council chamber in Stockport, and I saw the tweets about it, and I saw messages from Alex about it. And it was just this, like, feeling of deja vu, yes, and this sort of feeling of, God, I, you know... I knew this would happen. Like, we'd talked about the mill, how it, it was likely, or that, you know, it was on a knife edge, and... But it was just like one of those moments in life when you're like, God, when you've become so obsessed with something and you really think it matters and you, and you have these moments of thinking, oh, does it matter? Like, do other people think it matters? And then you see that and you're like, 
the political upheaval that Raj Amir has created in Oldham is real. Like it's it's not it's like one council leader is one thing, but like two council leader is, leaders is is crazy. Oldham now has a third council leader in the space of a year, basically, or a year and a week, you know. And it's like this borough has, in some senses, become ungovernable again. You know, it's kind of like if you can't keep your council leader for a year, you can't inspire confidence among voters. You can't build anything. You can't have a vision. You can't have a strategy. You're just it's a decapitation strategy, and. It's happened again, you know, and whether you're a Labour voter or not, whether you like Arusha or not, whether you think her flaws are um, should overcome her strengths or, or whatever you think of the whole situation, it's just on the merits, objectively, it's just a very, very chaotic, very interesting, very, I think, concerning situation that this, this bit of Greater Manchester, this important bit of the country, um, can't find someone to lead it who doesn't immediately get taken out by an online campaign. I remember texting a few people and thinking, God, here we go again. And the story isn't over, is it, by any stretch of the imagination. And the themes that it draws up, the stories of our times, we'll keep an eye on it for sure. And there's more of that at the mill. Some of Yoshi's brilliant, brilliant reporting on the political turmoil in Oldham. You can find that by subscribing at manchestermill.co.uk. Manchester Mill.